Welcome to the Stranger Things podcast. Rewatching every episode of Stranger Things ahead of season four. I'm Miles. And I'm Kathleen. It's been three years. Let's catch up together. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> We're going to just do an episode for a chapter. Just, mm-hmm. They're going to talk today about chapter one, the first episode of Stranger Things, and then we'll be back in a later episode to, to uh, talk chapter two, chapter three, and so on. All right, let's do this. So, um, well, first I got to ask you, Kathleen, where were you in 1983? I was not even a figment of existence at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... That's a very Neither abstract were you. answer. <laughs> I was, nor I was, nor I was a figment of existence. Have you ever been to Indiana? Mm, can't say I have. And yet, we shall talk about this show. Take us back to 2016 when this show first dropped. We we watched it probably um, like the second weekend it was out. I oh, believe it was July man. 2016. Is this show Stranger Things popped onto Netflix? Gosh, and I we had no idea that it was going to be this amazing going into this. I mean, sure, we had heard about it. I think you even said, "Eh, I heard about this show, Stranger Mm -hmm. Things. Oh, let's give it a try. I'm always one weekend behind of all the cool kids. Mm -hmm. I heard about it because of the previous weekend. Um, As we go through the episode today, we'll kind of go through the beginning to the end. Let me know the moment with which you knew that this was like, Good, good. Not just like Netflix good. Mm. Good, good. Because okay. at, in 2016 at the time, good shows were on TV. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you didn't, a good, good, good show didn't exist in in the streaming verse. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, Cheers, you know, like yeah. Lost, all, you know, even Game of Thrones is on HBO. This is kind of the first one where the, the streaming wars were going. Mm-hmm. Netflix mm-hmm. is getting, his competitors are catching up to them and they're going to create original content right oh they're going to create but nobody ever like truly believed in that this show hit and it was a true like where can i watch this show that everyone's talking about there's only one place mm-hmm. you got to yeah, go to netflix that's the future of television yeah this and is when it really you know came out that this is where we were going yeah and to the point now we're in 2022 mm-hmm. you know one year later comes handmaid's tale Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, oh, The Crown. Goodness. Now there's Ted Lasso, Squid <laughs> Games, The Mandalorian. Nobody even thinks of it as like, oh, that's weird. That's a TV show that's not on TV. Like, right. that's just normal now. Yeah. And I this mean, was kind of the beginning. And then there was House of Cards before, but this was kind of the first time that it like yeah. affected the, the cultural like impact. You know, yeah. Justice for Barb was everywhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. You had to Poor have a Barb. Netflix account. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Let's get to the episode. There's so much to tackle in this episode. Oh, we're gosh, not even going to. It's overwhelming. We're, we're not even going to get close, no. I'm sure. But then we have the other episodes to kind of chew on all these characters that we meet. Chew so and digest <laughs> on what we've learned so far. So like an owl to Eleanor Gillespie's hair, because we think it is a nest. Let's attack this episode and start with the opening scene. All right. So, you know, our first experience of Stranger Stranger Things is the opening scene. November 6, 1983, Hawkins, Indiana, Hawkins National Laboratory, Mm -hmm. Laboratory, (laughs) Department of Energy. You see this man running down a flickering hallway trying to escape something unknown only to fall to his demise, presumably. 
<laughs> he definitely dies. You hear the scream. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I like that the show did this, that it just shows us exactly what the storyline is going to be following mm-hmm. right away. It didn't start with the main characters like so many of the old 90s movies do, you know. You know, kids out of high school having yeah. fun. You're meeting their friends. Like it shows us. Okay, this is what the story is gonna be about. Yeah, and there's a there's a lab. <laughs> there's a government agency. Mm-hmm. There's a creature that got loose. One of the scientists died. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. Department of Energy <laughs> is a is a front. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> though someone is some accountant is presumably paying all these salaried employees. Uh, for the Department of Energy, not wondering why there's like 600 security guards. <laughs> conspiracy. So I do agree. That's a great way to start it. Um, then we go to the kids. We go right into the Dungeons and Dragons party. And this is kind of like where we, our first taste of the show is something special because the kids and the relationships and just the the quickness and the and the snappiness of the dialogue is so good. Like they're playing and and you, yeah. they're kind of talking about what's gonna happen too. They're like, boom, boom. Oh, don't worry, it's a bunch of troglodytes. Oh, and they're like, right. what? What's that you hear? It's the Demogorgon. Ah! And they're like, ah! of course, we don't realize at the time, but it's literally following. You know what? What is about to happen? Yeah, and I just the kids, the way that it's written and the way that they talk is so good. When he rolls the dice. And it goes off of the table. Like Dustin's going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They're just like so into it. And I love that because that feels very mm-hmm. real to what kids would yeah. do. I never uh, played Dungeons and Dragons, but I, def- I did a lot of Stratomatic baseball either. and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you were a nerd. I was a nerd. I played outside. <laughs> Hey. I can relate more to when we see them on their bicycles going home in the dark. I mean, that I grew up in a small neighborhood, and that's kind of how we were. We just ran loose and free. Yeah. The kids <laughs> at night on their bikes, it's just, you know, the in the 90s, they start to run the commercials. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> They're not doing that yet. I, I grew up <laughs> in a neighborhood that was about a decade behind. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen The Simpsons? Do you know where your children are? Commercial comes on and Homer goes, I told you last night. No. (laughs) (laughs) But the the kids, I just knew immediately there was something special here. Mm -hmm. They're so good together. There's also like the scene way later that we're probably not even going to talk about when they're in the principal's office oh, and they're gosh, talking about Merkwood <laughs> and they're like, it's Merkwood. And he's like, it's from Lord of the, they're talking to the cops. Sounds made up. Yeah, sounds made up. <laughs> they're talking to the Merkwood? cops and he goes, it's eh, from the, sounds made up. <laughs> he goes, it's from the Lord of the Rings and Dustin no, has to correct Hobbit. him. Actually, it's from the Hobbit. He goes, shut up. Like, just, <laughs> Truly mad because that's kids. Yeah, it's it's really realistic as to you know what kids are like at that age, and I I like that. It feels so authentic. Yeah, I mean uh, other things that I see throughout the show, like um, as we get introduced to the teenagers, Nancy, you you see the acne on their face. I mean they don't cover that up. It's it's real. You feel like you are in their lives at that age. And I like that a lot. Yeah. So they go outside. They mom, The mom's sending them home. They've been Hi. playing for 10 hours. You have school tomorrow. Mike <laughs> didn't see the dice roll. So uh, Dustin and Lucas say, don't, eat, don't tell the dungeon master. Don't tell Mike. It's not real. We'll pick it up later. <laughs> but as they're about to leave, Will is on his bike and he, and he says to Mike, it was a seven. It was a seven. His truth, like they, we we are instantly introduced that this character is pure of heart, and then he says the Demogorgon, the got Demogorgon me. got me. 
Oh, and he didn't even realize how true his words were at that moment. Yeah, so, so he's riding, his light starts to flicker, he sees some faceless, you know, figure. Oh, the silhouette of the creepy figure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's when over. I was like, oh, this is getting creepy. I know. But that, I still wasn't totally hooked yet. Uh, yeah, me neither. I mean, we're so far, we're still in like pure Stephen King mode. Mm-hmm. Though the, the kid's dialogue peaked me up like, oh, there's something, there's something here. Um, so he he goes back. The, the, everything that Will does, by the way, is super good. I was appreciate. He didn't just flail in the woods. Like he tried to lock the door. He tried to call nine one one. He went to the shed and loads up a gun. Like thank you. <laughs> We're not. He did all stupid. of the things. <laughs> <laughs> he did all of the things that he should do, and none of the things they shouldn't do. Yeah. Unlock the door. Look outside. No. And they come to the shed. They're in the and there's the creature is there. And we just watched the creature like slaughter in the traditional way a lab coat scientist, mm-hmm. right? Just ah, blood splattering everywhere. Well, this one, the light, the light, the light, the light, the light, the light, and then vanished. Vanished. They're both yeah. gone. That, that right there is the moment. Me too. They got me. Is it oh, really? Oh my gosh. Because, you know, up until then, it's just another scary story. Mm. I mean, traditional scary story, something happens, there's a creature, supernatural. But, I mean, it's that moment when they completely disappear and you're thinking, what happened? Did it get him? Is he alive? Is he dead? We don't know. That's so funny. We, we did not tell each other. We said we were going to Stop Stop me at the moment <laughs> that you knew this show was super good. Not just Netflix good, but like a truly good show. That's what hooked me yeah. right there. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> and then that's right when we get the theme song as well, which is probably Ooh, no coincidence Right as well. into the <laughs> opening <laughs> credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay tuned for my music moment of the episode that I'll do at the end of every episode. As you do. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit just in this moment about the aesthetic of the show. You know, Stephen King, Steven Spielberg, the 80s nostalgia. It's hard. Yeah, it's the it's the first thing that you tell somebody when you're trying to tell them to watch the show. So we watched on the second weekend, telling all of our friends to watch the show on the third weekend. That's the first thing we say. It's like it's like eighties, like Stephen King, you know. Yeah. It's like it's Spielberg, but it's like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's and like it's it's more like being in the eighties than watching an eighties movie or show. Yeah. That's what I love about it. I totally agree. Cause it's not really eighties. It's the fifties, but 30 years later, like everything that they have in this small town is like from the fifties. It's just 30 <laughs> years old, you know, like that's what I love about it. And that's Stephen King and Steven Spielberg. They weren't like, they weren't like beacons of the 1980s. They were writing stories about their childhoods. Mm. So we kind of have like this, if the 80s is like the the star decade of the show, yeah. the 50s is kind of the secondary star. Gosh, I didn't really think about it that way. Well, I mean, Stand By Me, that's a big yeah. reference. That's set in the 50s. We're seeing a lot of Stand By Me here. You know, we're seeing a lot of that. And that's... W- Riding in bikes, smoking indoors, the television <laughs> as the as the main thing. These are things that kind of apply to to all of those decades. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's one of the things I like about the show. It's like a it's like a gritty '80s nostalgia, but then it's also modern too. It's also very of the 2010s. 
The cinematography is super good. Oh, gosh, yeah. The, it's with all of the nostalgia of the 80s, but with the technology of now. Yeah, not <laughs> to mention you're streaming it over the internet. <laughs> exactly. But there's also, like, there's a lot of bass, a lot of, like, you know, and not a lot of percussion and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not very 80s. We'll talk about that more in the, in the moment. But we're not getting those, like, you know gated reverb drums or anything like that we're none of the tacky stuff yeah we're not getting that this is very like electronic music um Mm. uh, of the 2010s done in a retro way so it's not just it's not enough to just say it's 80s oh it's 80s wow that's interesting definitely different perspective the other thing that hooks us in is that it's not just a tribute to the 80s we meet those kids and then we meet two Amazing characters, Joyce and Hopper. Hopper. We meet them back to back after the credits. (laughs) Hopper's intro scene. Oh my gosh, yep. He's like clearly still drunk from the night before, smoking cigarettes, popping pills with last night's beer. Last night, that just, just the warm beer on the kitchen, on the bathroom counter. And just in dis- his whole house in disarray. And then just to find out that he's the police chief. Yep. Oh my gosh. I just, uh, I love to watch his character grow just within this episode. I mean, he comes across as this just deadbeat guy and he grows so much within this episode. Yeah. And then we flash to Joyce. She's in the living room. She's looking for her keys. Struggling single mom, <laughs> yeah. barely able to make ends meet. Son is making breakfast. Will isn't up. <laughs> you didn't get him up. You didn't get him up. And then she's got to go get him. She opens the door. He's not there. So she calls the wheelers. Mike and Nancy are having a fight with the syrup. You know, it's just, it, it's all so like snappy. I just love it. Yeah. And then she realizes that he's gone. And so she begins a streak of anxiety and nerves and franticness that frankly <laughs> goes for 10 episodes. <laughs> And to me, that, I mean, that's the most realistic part of it. I know you were not not so much of a fan of like, choice. Well, I was with Jonathan. Mom, you can't get like this. You've got to get your head on a swivel here. Think clearly. Oh, yeah. And I see it. And I just feel for her. I mean, I think that's realistic as to what it would be like to be a parent who loses their child. I mm. think that is very realistic as to how they would act. Yeah, and they so they meet at the at the police station, um, which has one of my favorite lines when mm-hmm. Hopper comes in there and they're trying sh- the receptionist trying to give him all the information. He goes, "Mornings are for coffee and contemplation." <laughs> <laughs> but Joyce is there. She's frantic. She's going out of my mind. She's going out of my mind. And uh, apparently, we're getting subconsciously hit with nostalgia as well. Apparently, the uniforms are from Jaws. The typewriters oh. from Jaws. The truck is from Jaws. I did and not know that. Apparently, one of the parts there. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently one of the parts there, like the typewriter and all that stuff is like shot for shot Jaws. Wow. Which is subconscious. I did not like, oh, know okay. that. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, but we find out more about Hopper and Joyce as we, as we go through the episode, we found mm-hmm. out Hopper has a daughter who died, yeah. which rewatching, I noticed the very first thing we see in Hopper's intro scene is the refrigerator with the picture of mom and dad and daughter. Oh. So that's like, I completely missed that the first time. Wow. From your face, looks like you missed it the second time as well. I missed it all of the times. <laughs> did you did you notice that or did you read about it and no, then I, think to look? I noticed that. Oh, impressive. Okay. I completely did not notice that. Yeah. Now that's probably the last time I noticed anything that you didn't, uh, to be <laughs> honest. Um, 
And then Joyce goes through a little bit more in this episode. We'll talk more about her like phone call and bar- frying the phone and stuff next episode because there's just so much to get to. Oh my gosh, this oh this this episode is just so hard to digest because we are meeting literally every integral character from this story for the first time mm-hmm. in this episode. And uh, it's just, yeah. it's a lot to cover. And we still have one more major hit, major slam dunk home run 11. Oh, we go into yes. the woods. We've already met all these characters and we're like, wow, this show is super good. And then we meet arguably one of the best. We're in the woods. She's in a hospital gown. She got a shaved head. Mm-hmm. She's sneaking in to Benny's Burgers. Yeah. What'd you yeah. think about Eleven like right off the bat when you first saw it? Oh, what did I think of her? Um, I mean, it, you just didn't know what to expect. Like, why is she this way? I mean, she barely says any words. She's clearly behind socially, mm-hmm. extremely behind socially. She doesn't know how to act in public. Um, she knows words clearly, but not how to use them in regular conversation. Uh, yeah. I'm really grateful that we met her, that we find out she truly does have superpowers like immediately. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. don't don't With the fan. Just like you were talking about how Stranger Things doesn't start us at high school and then something goes wrong. This show is like just okay, here's the stuff you need to know, so let's get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that same too. She stops the fan when when Benny goes back to cook her another burger or whatever. Yeah. Um and she kind of looks sinister when she does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It it almost it, it it forces you to have a small feeling as to is she good? Is she bad? Mm-hmm. Well, I know who is good. Benny. <laughs> Benny. <laughs> There's so much justice for Barb. There were murals for Barb regarding season one. But what, what about, about Benny? Benny? This oh guy. He's just the nicest guy. I mean, he comes. He. He realizes something is drastically wrong with this situation. He feeds her. He tries to make her comfortable, asks her questions, tries to get to know her, calls social services, which turns out to be a big mistake for on his part. <laughs> well, presumably someone actually from social services shows up later. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and that person's like, oh, it may be that. Oh, maybe that's who we find. Um, maybe that's how they find that scene later in season or episode two. Hmm. Maybe we can talk about more, that when we get there. That Not that we're trying later. to like avoid pure spoilers on the show, but we are trying to like go through it chronologically. But um, let's face it, we've we got a lot to focus on just for this first episode. We don't want to be jumping to the next episode. Honestly, yet. like just meeting, we've just done a disservice to the kids and meeting everyone. Like, there's just so much to chew on, which is why the episode is so good. This is truly like a perfect episode of of television. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Justice for Barb. So Benny, yeah, the social services person comes, and then the moment that she shoots him... We're just, oh! And... Out of nowhere. I was not expecting that. I mean, just like that is just another moment to solidify, oh, damn, this show is getting real. (laughs) I didn't, like, look this up, like, what what the stats were on it, but as far as, like, killing a character, like, immediately... That seems like a very 2010s thing, like because <laughs> Game of Thrones was was hot at this time. Oh, you know, gosh, is we that lost when? Some yeah, characters that's in right. That. That's when Game of Thrones was really big. That was like the that was like the signal, like, hey, everybody is at risk. We just introduced you to this lovable guy, and it's a testament to the acting and the character as well that we came attached to Benny so quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it also serves a purpose, like no one is no one is safe. 
you know, wow. even though there's a lot of plot armor for all the main characters, we need that feeling like someone's just going to die instantly at Damn, any time. You're pretty good at this cinematic insight here, babe. Check out my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he, he gets shot. He was so good to her. He tried to make her talk. He tries to do the right thing. He's the one who guides us as the audience through learning that she's 11. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got the tattoo on her on her arm. Um, but there's so much else in this episode. Uh, I mean, where do you want it? The bad guys staring at goo with flashlights. Oh, we got yeah. Mike's family. And that's actually Steve the first episode of The Girl, which they mention right before she walks into the diner. You see them in the full hazmat suits. You know, there's some growth coming through the wall. There's stuff in the air like ashes. And then they say, where is the girl? She can't be far. Oh, yeah. Oh, she can't have gotten far. And then, boom, it shoots to her, you know, looking out from the woods at the diner and it jumps into that scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, pretty cool. I mean, we could talk more about the whatever the heck is going on at Hawkins lab <laughs> through the through the rest of the season. So far, all they've done is ask where the girl is and point flashlights at goo on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> In the shed, at the wall, wherever he, whatever you need to go. We got a flashlight for you. <laughs> Get your hazmat suit on. I want to talk about Mike's family. This, is, oh, this is another big part of the show. This is another like for we're not quite the age, you know, like we weren't born in, in 83. But reading people's like testimonials about why they love this show. This is like part <laughs> of it. This like family dynamic. Bring it back to their childhoods. Oh, yeah. The dinner table. The mom running the household. The, the dad, dad just uh, yeah, off in his own. <laughs> his discipline language. He is truly in his own world. Mm-hmm. He doesn't engage with anything unless he hears a swear. <laughs> language. Language. <laughs> and really that, okay, This the scene with the family has made an impact on our lives because yeah. we just have taken one of those quotes that we say all the time now. Well, you say. Yeah, uh, the, I hope you're enjoying your chicken, Ted. And then he goes, what I, I do. do. What I do? It's <laughs> just so funny. Oh we do my that gosh! All the time. Oh, we do. I couldn't remember. It was from the first episode when we were rewatching. I was like, oh, I didn't realize it came up so quickly. Yeah. What I do? Oh my gosh! It's just hilarious. And He's so funny. Yeah. And Nancy and and Mike's bickering is is fun. You know, they're it's brother very sister sibling like. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Nancy at all and Steve uh, coming over? I mean, they'll okay. come up definitely more. It's just an introduction of, you know, what type yeah. of characters they are. We get a little bit of God bless the rains down in Africa, God bless the rains. Uh, which is an interesting choice. And Nancy's <laughs> room is the most 80s thing oh of the gosh. whole show. Her, the bed skirts. She got Blondie comfort. on the oh, wall. Yeah. <laughs> and the pillows. Yeah. Oh, yes. The bed skirts. Is that what that's called? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, that is. So, uh, well, let's get to kind of the the climactic parts of the episode at the end. There, um, do you have before we get to that? Do you have other things on your on your sheet there? Well, I just you know, especially rewatching this, you catch things that become so important later on. Um, obviously, that we're going to be going over this in later episodes. But when the science teacher, Mister Clark, brings them in to see that new high tech radio, mm-hmm. I mean, they are the introducing radio. that. It's not just you know a fun interlude scene they are introducing uh, that machine that we're gonna see later in the uh, later in the series they're calling australia yep (laughs) oi oh i don't think that was very australian that was pure australian (laughs) thank you thank you very much (laughs) 
So Will, Lucas, Dustin, they decide they're going to go searching for Will because they're on their less uh, impressive radios, <laughs> the ones that they have, <laughs> what, transistor radios. Um, and Will, or not Will, uh, sorry, Mike, Mike, Lucas, and Dustin yeah. go searching for Will. And Mike says to Lucas, you know, when, he, when Will was in trouble, he could have cast protection, saved himself, but he didn't. He shot a fireball for the good of the group. He could have played it safe, but he didn't. And Lucas is like, you're right. We need to go out into the rain and look for him. <laughs> <laughs> As kids do. You know, they think that they can save the day, yeah. but really they're just a bunch of 10, 10 11-year-olds. Yeah. So a couple of 11-year-olds just at night go out on their bikes. That rain starts to safe. fall. At least Dustin is like aware of it. This is another <laughs> big moment for me. This Dustin is, is like, you ever think <laughs> that Will went missing right around here? Because of he ran into something bad, <laughs> and we're going in the same direction as him with no weapons. <laughs> but he, even Dustin even says, "Does that seem smart to you?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that insight too. I mean, it's just another reflection of all those um, scary cliche movies where they do all of the wrong things. Yeah. And here he's pointing out, "Aren't we doing the wrong thing <laughs> <Yeah>. here?" <laughs> exactly, and exactly the reason I love Will getting the gun in the shed. Dustin's moments here too. There's just so much realism. The show is not, you know, jerking us around for fake drama. You know, yeah. it really does a good job. And we've got Jefferson Airplane playing in this scene. So they're, it's finally raining. They're in the woods. They got their flashlight. They're shouting for Will and running that one, da, 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 you know, the Jefferson uh, Airplane, the White Rabbit song. Mm -hmm. It's from the 60s, by the way. It's from um, like Summer of Love, like Sgt. Pepper's time. So it's kind of an interesting choice yeah. considering this show is like the 80s everything, right? It's supposed yeah. to be. They've got the 60s show or the 60s song, which I was trying to figure out why did they choose that song? And so I started looking up that song well, a little bit. Well, let me tell you. you do you know? <laughs> no. Oh. No, I have no I, idea, but I'm just I don't waiting know, for and you nobody, to tell us. Nobody's like talked about it necessarily that I could find. But the song and the lyrics are inspired by Alice in Wonderland. Oh. It's that the imagery is directly from Alice oh, in Wonderland. Going and down a rabbit hole. Going down a rabbit hole and, and you know, just the themes of curiosity. So oh. I was thinking like, oh, maybe that's why they do it. Plus, the small town of Indiana is probably just coming to the summer of love, right? <laughs> <laughs> but behind the times, yes. Behind the times. <laughs> like you said, your small town is always a decade behind. That's what I love about this. It's not just like, here's something 80s we can put in it. Mm -hmm. The people in 1983 still love the Beatles. You know, they still they still love stuff from the 60s for sure. Um, they shine their fly, flashlights. They see somebody. It's not the monster. It's not Will. It's 11. 11. And that is where the story begins. Truly begins. Totally agree. All right. We got two ways we're going to end every episode here, which is with Kathleen's feeler moment of the episode. <laughs> we'll get a song for that. And then I'm going to do my music <laughs> moment. Of the episode. So, Kathleen. Sticking to the things we're good at. Yeah, sticking. <laughs> <laughs> these are very specifically uh, tailored. Kathleen, what was your feeler moment of episode one? So, my feeler moment was actually when Joyce picks up the phone and she can hear Will breathing and then that unnatural, otherworldly clicking sound, and she knows instinctively that that's her son. I just, just the fear. Um, 
in that moment, it just feels so real. And, and her ability to like truly believe that that's her son. I think that's realistic too, because it plays off of a mother who is desperate to find their child that she is willing to believe anything. This breathing, she, she knows her son's breathing. She knows it's her son. Yeah. And then we get what I like, which is the mystical elements, the phone fries. Uh, and yes. the same reason that the, um, that the light bulb like got really, really hot and then they disappeared. Mm-hmm. Why does the phone fry and how is Will able to call her? Like these, these, we get these bookended mystical, like something really mean? strange is what going on mean? here. Yes. Yes. Um, my music moment, I've got to talk about the theme, first of all. Just the, If we're talking about episode one, we've got to talk about the main theme. And these guys who write the music. There's two guys, Kyle Dixon, Michael Stein. They were in a band called Survive. They were just kind of electronic musicians um, that had been going for a while. And they just got an email. They got an email that said, hey, do you want to do this show uh, <laughs> called Stranger Things? Because I guess the Stranger Things, the Duffer Brothers as they had been writing it and kind of like creating a, uh, you know, a template, they were using some survive songs. Um, so they said like, maybe we should just ask this band if they (laughs) want to do this. And and so they said yes. But the thing that's amazing about this music and about the theme specifically is that it's, it's recorded to tape. It is not made in a computer. It's not digital. What they do is they take these synthesizers, they plug them into other synthesizers, they plug them into other synthesizers and into filters, and then they record that to tape. And that gives a lot of unique sounds. That's why it has something different. There's also a quality to it that can never be replicated. Even they can't replicate the sound from the theme exactly what they did because it was analog. It was wires and dust and dirt and different electricity and different machines. They're using synthesizers from the 70s. Um, and that really gives it that 80s yeah. sound as well. Exactly. Because wow. what did the 80s have? A bunch of technology from the 70s. <laughs> it's just so obvious, but it's just not nostalgia. That's not the way nostalgia was presented to us very often. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's quite 80s. It's It doesn't, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't have those big drums. You know, it doesn't have the boom, boom, the gated reverb, you know, like that started with, I can hear you coming in the air tonight. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-doom. You know, oh, or no. Born to Run, or, or sorry, uh, Born in the USA, or Billy Jean. You just get those huge bass drums, those huge toms, those huge snare hits. Do, do, ta, do, ta. You know, this is making sense. You get those mm. huge sounds. Yeah. Madonna. That's not this theme either. This theme is like the heartbeat. I was just going to say that. It's more like it still has a beat, but it's more like a heartbeat, which brings you into it even more. Your heart is beating with the show. Exactly. So they've got these old synths that they're putting to tape. They don't use the gate, the classic 80s gated reverb, big bass drums, big sounds, mm-hmm. big drums. And More they natural. instead go for this really dry, really un-80s bump, bump, you know, bump, bump. Yeah. And that brings you into it in a way that is not pure. I think the, the theme of this episode is it's 80s. But it's not pure 80s. Mm-hmm. We've got the characters. We've got the music as something special. I mean, I will talk about the music every episode and praise it all over the place. If this <laughs> it's was just so good. If this was strings, I don't know. I don't know. Like Will's in the shed and it goes, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be the same. Too harsh. 
I mean, like with the the heartbeat going back to that, it just it just feels something that you feel like you can be more a part of the show. Yeah. Obviously, there's tons of ET, tons of Jaws, oh gosh, tons of yeah. stuff in that. And the all scene that, of the shed, like you were yeah. saying, ET. That's ET right there. Exactly. And all of that is scored by John Williams, and he is amazing, and he is the one true king. <laughs> But this is something different that makes Stranger Things not purely derivative. Yeah. Um, so every episode I'll have like just a little moment, usually about the score rather than the songs that are used. But they do a good job using songs from the 80s like they used mm-hmm. Africa um, uh, in this episode. And uh, before we you know, clear out here, I just want to know who, after watching episode one, who is your favorite character? Oh, man. Who's yours? It's Hopper. It's Hopper all the way. He starts off, they purposefully make him seem like somebody that you're just going to dislike. He's just this disheveled dirtbag of a person. Mm -hmm. But really you see why he is that way. He's self-medicating because he's lost his daughter. He's um, really a truly caring person. He's uniquely qualified to be able to relate to exactly what Joyce is going through, which is why you see him transform into somebody that realizes how serious this situation is. Man, I just like that. That is good. I think I might have gone Hopper as well, but just for the in- interest of variety. <laughs> I know who I was really pumped with when the end credits roll, and that's Dustin. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> you would too. I just, I just love, I love that too. And I'm not surprised that that's he, that's your choice right there. His hum, <laughs> the humor of his character is yeah. very, very much, you know, like your type of humor. I, and I love Dustin throughout the <laughs> entire series, so I, I am definitely on board uh, with more praise of him later. So. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is episode one. Episode two, three, we'll just go along the chapters. Uh, And so binge and check out the podcast and rewatch it, catching up for season four. Join us for episode two. Thanks for tuning in and good night.